Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher, and I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons. And I guess before we get started, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. Um, we appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast. That helps us a lot. Uh, spe- Hit that specifically, button. Specifically, um, a lot of people don't know this, it's part of Trump's new NAFTA replacement that, you know, mm. with, Can- uh, with Canada and Mexico. And I don't really, it's something about keeping podcasting jobs in America. I don't really understand. But anyway, we've got to ask. Please subscribe to our podcast. Um, It's for America. And uh, you can also review us on iTunes. Uh, That helps us. A five star review. Review would be preferable, not one star. Just forget we said anything. No, I would prefer, I would prefer they be honest, Blake. That's just me, though. I want to be lied to. Give me those sweet, sweet lies. (laughs) (laughs) I need need something good, okay? it's the best podcast I've ever Yeah, it can heard. be insincere, but five stars. <laughs> uh, we will be releasing these probably every couple weeks, so um, don't have the exact schedule out, but probably every couple weeks. So check back or just subscribe, because that will just show up on your phone or whatever you listen to podcasts on. Does anyone actually listen to them on iPods anymore? Like, my kid won't know what a podcast is, because he doesn't know what a pod is, right? I mean... No, I mean, back in the day, um, I don't know if you guys know this, I was in a band. When we were touring (laughs) in the band, uh, you had to download the podcast onto your computer and then plug in your pod, uh, pod, iPod, iPod, download it. Yeah, so by the time you were listening to like Meet the Press, it was Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) We did both used to listen to Meet the Press. Uh, I remember that on my iPod. (laughs) In our band. Uh, Tim Russert, rest in peace. Um, uh, So, yeah, that's kind of the uh, housekeeping. Also, you can feel free to email or tweet suggestions to us if you've got albums that you want us to talk about. Info at Finding Emo Pod or at Finding Emo Pod on Twitter. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the housekeeping stuff. Today, we are discussing New Found Glory's uh, self-titled album, therefore called New Found Glory, a 2000 album. And Kyle has some facts and figures about it. Yes. Uh, for one, it is their first release as Newfound Glory. As opposed to Ah, ah Newfound, Newfound Glory. Glory. So that's interesting. Do you know anything about that name change? <clears throat> was there any reason behind it? Yeah, it, it, it was an alphabet thing. Like people, oh, that's people right. record stores, some were filing it under A, some were filing it under N, and it was screwing things up. Why not just go for like what every tow truck company does and do like triple A newfound glory so you'd be right at the front of the stack. <laughs> right. That seems like the better move. A A A newfound glory. Right, yeah. Um That's very interesting. That makes sense though. So we we haven't really done this before and well, I guess we have. With clarity we talked about static prevails. True. I feel like it's necessary for me to mention their their uh I guess their their first record, yeah. Nothing gold can stay. So debut full length, right? De- their debut full length, and mostly I want to mention it. Well, there's two reasons. One, we're going to talk about drive through records a little bit, and I assume at some point that like drive through could probably have their own episode. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about labels and producers and some of that other stuff. And and this up. producer is one of those as well. I've got a few points. About um, him. But but what's crazy to me is. Nothing Gold Can Stay is released by Eulogy, okay, originally. And Richard Raines buys it from them. This is this is um, the head of Drive Through Records. Right. Purchases it 
purchases Nothing Gold Can Stay for $5,000. It sells 300,000 copies. It sold, that, you could sell records back then, man. 300,000 copies. He purchased it for $5,000. Like, we could do the math on that. Yeah, that's a good return on investment. Yeah. ROI, as they call it. He, he made money on that. Yeah. People would dream to sell 300,000 records. I'm curious right <laughs> I'm curious what the band made on it. <laughs> uh yeah, I well I mean, it, surely if you sell your record for $5,000, you've got a some sort of decent deal that that's all they had to put into it. I mean, surely you're making cuz that's all the investment other than you know. I just good deal. I mean, that's a that's a sweet deal. Yeah. That's yeah. That's almost as good as I mean, I can't believe I'm going to bring this up, but I just know it based on the sheer volume. Creed's first album cost $6,000 to record. I cannot sold. believe you're doing this. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just had to, from the sheer number of how much money someone made off that record, it's, uh, it's I unbelievable. Even, I don't even know what you just said. I heard Creed, and I, I know. don't. I'm sorry. I did not We've hear mentioned Creed and that. Nickelback, but they, you know, on this podcast so far, which is Did you guys know but... that in hell, Creed is the house band? <laughs> And that they only play Nickelback covers. <laughs> so, five thousand dollars sold three hundred thousand copies. That's One of us great. could do the math on our phone real quick. That's a lot of money. Yes, for sure. Almost a million. Well, that I, basically makes. The I would label, like to right? say that with oh it, sure that's that's the birth of drive through records being a a real deal. I do want to let folks know out there that um, with inflation, that's actually $7,700. It does paint a different picture oh, yeah, when you think about it that mind, way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. <laughs> but, yeah, it does make a label. I mean, that's an important thing. That's kind of our first label-making band we've done on this uh, podcast so far. And, I mean, just, like, for my own personal taste, like, I I like nothing gold can stay, but it is it pales in comparison to self-titled. Yeah, interestingly, I saw a an article with, um, I think it was Chad, ranking their own albums. Mm-hmm. And he put Nothing Gold at the top, but I think it was more so out of, like, um, it was their first record, and I think he was just proud of it happening. I don't think he was necessarily saying it's the best record. It's, that, like, it's not. Know. There's no way, right? Like, I no, mean, no, no, it, no, no, it, no. And we'll talk yeah. more about yeah, sorry. which one's we'll the best record later. later. But yeah, it's definitely not so better than the one we're going to talk about today, oh. I don't think. It does have it. It does have hit or miss. It on does, it though, right? which is important. Yes. So okay. So I'll just I'll just give you guys some quick little facts. Please do. Released September twenty sixth, two thousand. Was a good year. It's yes. a good time. I was probably renting my tuxedo for my Christmas dance in September. In you September, planned ahead, dude. I got on that early. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe was was yours was you guys the Sadie Hawkins it, style? It totally Were you was. Counting on getting and asked? you know what? Maybe I wasn't oh, yes. renting it. Maybe I was. Maybe I was putting it on layaway. Probably. To... <laughs> That's why I started. That's in why September. you started in September. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's smart. You're gonna go to like eight dances. You might as well just own the tux. Totally. Outright. Yeah. So uh, produced by Neil Avron. Avron. I yeah. mean, some people say Avron, but they're sure probably wrong. Pretty sure it's Avron. I mean. That's a pretty big deal. Uh, it's a huge deal for some kids that because I, I mean, I think that they were like seventeen years old when they recorded this, maybe eighteen. Well, yeah. So I mean, interestingly, Neil, this is the third album he produces. The only two albums he's engineered and produced no before are Everclear's 
two that came right before that. It's the oh, I forgot the names of them. The Whoa. Happy Face one. Uh, so much for the Afterglow. No. Okay, I was gonna did, say it's uh, crazy. What are the two that came out in the late nineties? Late nineties. Um, the uh, American Songbook. This is something I'm gonna have to look up. I'll link to ah. it in the show notes. But either way, he did. So really, Neil Avron had done a lot of engineering. He's engineered some fantastic mm-hmm. records as well, but this is his only his third album to produce. Are we just going to brush over the fact that Kyle knows every album name by Everclear <laughs> right. like, off the top of his head? <laughs> that's, that's I could be wrong. I could I could have just made wait. Was that, that was was that the B side collection that they released uh, on uh, vinyl in Japan only? That you're Guys, I'm I'm an Everclear fan. <laughs> I, well, I like it. Yeah. Oh wait, sorry, sorry. Wait a minute. Totally blew this. I said Everclear. You did, and it's not Everclear. Is it Goo Goo Dolls? It's not. It's a uh, freaking. Hold on. I don't know why I got Everclear mixed up with um, the other band I'm about the to band say. You're about to mention. Hold on one second. You don't. said Smiley Face. Hold on. I'm trying to. I'm trying to s- steal this. Oh from no, no, brain. it was Everclear. I was right. It's yeah. Everclear. I just freaked myself out. Oh yeah. So it's uh, so much for the Afterglow and Songs from American Movie Volume See, One. Songs from an American Movie. I screwed that title up. So, I mean. I knew one you were really and a half. close. I though. knew one and yeah. a half, and then I freaked myself out that I had the wrong uh, band, and I did not. Anyway, Everclear. I love Everclear. Yeah, so uh, he did those. Those are his first two records. N- not, wow, so much for the Afterglow. Not a bad first producing credit either, by the way. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, um, right. Neil Avron also engineered the Wallflowers also- Bring Down the Horse, which is one of my favorite albums, and it sounds fantastic. So he's a really good engineer. A lot of producers aren't engineers, but he. This guy is a. He really knows how to make stuff sound good. What a shift, too, from his second record to his third. Going from Everclear to this? Yes, which I think this basically launches Neil Avron into doing pop-punk stuff. I mean, he does all of Yellow Card stuff following Mm. this. He does, like... I wonder... Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was going to say, I wonder what the connection is. Like, Kyle, do you you know anything? I mean, Everclear's a California band. You found Glory's a Florida band. honestly... There's just not a lot of information about this record, like other than the Wikipedia facts. I mean, I I've got some yeah. deep dives, but not so deep. I I don't know. Honest, I I think it could be that these guys liked so much for the Afterglow. Like it could be that simple. Right. And like, oh, MCA is part owner in Drive Through because when Richard Rains made that money off yeah. of Nothing Gold Can Stay, that's when he made the deal with MCA, and that's why every release from Drive Through. Was also what, like was labeled also, MCA. Yes, was also MCA. Yeah, I mean, so Neil Avron d- goes on to do like Switchfoot, Newfound Glory, Fallout Boy, Yellow Card, Weezer. <laughs> I mean, Amberlin. So I mean, it's like he definitely he's not playing. Gets into a sort of genre, although he's done a lot of other. Like I said, I think he's a great engineer and producer of all genres, but he, I think he has a specific knack for like crunchy guitars. Man, he oh, makes yeah. them sound oh yeah real good, real big. So. What I think is crazy is this this record ends up selling 500,000 copies. And in comparison to Nothing Gold Can Stay, that kind of blows my mind. It does seem like a low number because I did not know that uh, Nothing Gold Can Stay sold 300,000 copies. I mean, that's very surprising. That's insane. Yeah. High school kids selling 300,000 records. Uh, I can't even imagine. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's legit. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's uh, that's less than I guess I thought it would have sold. So, um, I mean, I have a few other facts, but honestly, I think we can dig right in and, di- excuse me, dive right in and start listening to them. Either way. 
Oh, my sorry, my one other fact that I found. Not oh. really fact so much. Are you gonna say one that I'm saving for later? Well, you no, I'm not gonna say that uh, one. I'm don't not gonna burn say that plate. I'm just gonna it. say that I I dug into the Neil Avron thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's produced like fifty albums according like Dang. on his um Wikipedia page at least. There's probably mm-hmm. some other ones and stuff. Of those fifty albums, I have owned or heavily rotated in the streaming age. Twenty three of those. Wow. So I mean he's gotta be one of my I would have to say he's one of my favorite producers. I don't think I realized he had produced that many of the records that I listened to. I mean, I knew most of them, but I didn't hadn't really added them up. Is this going to make you start cataloging like his other like back cataloging his other releases? I would definitely I definitely that? need to go listen to the other stuff on that list that I either was like not into that band or something yeah. because I probably would at least be into I've not heard How a record sounded. of his that doesn't sound fantastic. Yeah. He's just uh he's really good at um I at engineering. Anyway, that's my Neil Avron kind of fun fact is that I think I might have a crush on him. <laughs> yeah. Don't even know what he looks like, but uh yeah, so we can jump right in if that works, go track by track on this thing. Um which is basically like buckle up because this thing has one speed. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> one speed the whole time. Uh thirty six so, minutes of pure power. Exactly. So uh here's uh Better Off Dead. Hot takes? Don't so much how hot takes is just that I do remember this being kind of one of the first post Blink-22 albums I probably got in kind of the pop punk mm-hmm. thing. I mean, there were probably some other ones too in there, but they were more forgettable. But Did uh, you instantly like this record? I did. Yeah. Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I assumed you would. I didn't have Nothing Golden State before this record, similar to yeah, you... the Jimmy World thing kind of went backwards, but I agree this one's better. Chris? Uh, and, yeah, no, uh, so I believe I inherited this record after all my CDs got uh, stolen. I think from Blake. I think Blake gave it I to me. I probably did. So, yeah, and I was like, I, I wasn't a big new, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but to me there was like two different factions mm-hmm, of pop punk. Right. There was like the vagrant faction and the drive through yeah. faction, and I wasn't really a drive through person. I didn't consider myself like a big fan of those bands, but then when Blake gave me this record and... I played the when I started off with the song. I was like, "Oh man, this freaking rocks, man! It's like a banger right from the get go." I love. Don't it. you think though? Like back then, we were all like, "What is this drive-through records all about?" Like, <laughs> I honestly, there was a mystery. There was a mystery about if, it. Yes, and and then you would hear stories about Richard and Stephanie and like how they right. were kind of some odd, odd. Yeah. Nerds. I, I don't think at this point <laughs> I was paying any attention to labels. Like in. 2000 probably by 2001 and 2002 i am but i really don't think i was paying any attention to man, what label something was on in 2000 just i was myself. listening to vagrant i was listening to asian man like for sure there were punk labels that it was like yeah this is good and i re- i do kind of remember that chris like drive through it was like it was polished and but it was new so it was like right. uh, um i instantly loved it like the second i heard it and also I, I meant to mention this earlier, like 
in the first episode, we talked about how we were going to have this umbrella of emo music. And one of the things I said was that, like, for me, one of the defining things is that I felt like music at this time, there was a lot of genre bending, like our blending. And I didn't even know this at the time. I just thought it was freaking awesome. But like over time and just after hearing it over and over again, like these dudes were taking hardcore music. Like and 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 right, hardcore influence, yeah. absolutely, and and then mixing it with like this melodic pop punk, and I freaking loved it. They're I mean, super technical on yeah. the guitars. They're not. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah! Incredible musicians. We're talking about Blink One Two, I could probably learn all those guitar parts right. fairly quickly. I would not be able to learn all these guitar parts. First of all, I'd have to like my wrist just can't do the, that speed anymore that uh, they're playing at. <laughs> well, we were talking about the forbidden beat last week. They kick it off, and he kicks it off with yeah. the forbidden beat, and it sounds awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So I think that right. uh, yeah, it's not easy for. Uh, a young drummer too to pull that off in the studio with that precision like that's incredibly difficult to pull off um old cyrus right cyrus baluki yeah now the kid can play way well, to, kid way to go cyrus he's a kid now he was a kid when he played this you played good yeah he played very well all right uh you did good kid should we go to dress to kill let's do it Kyle, what do you think? Huge guitars, chunky guitars, cha 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 cha. Which is why I think Neil Alfred gets a lot of work after this. Is oh, like yeah. I, uh, man, there's some real good crunchy sounding guitars, and I think that's kind of one of his staples. I mean, great job. That, I, two songs in, I'm still loving it, and and also like, let's talk about yes. let's talk about Jordan's voice because I I think that like this is the first voice. Of its kind, right? Yeah, I don't personally, I don't love it. I like Newfound Glory, <laughs> but I don't love his I'm, voice. I am 100% with you, Blake. Like, it, what, what's weird like, is it's like, uh... it's even song to song and album to album sometimes, because there are like, most of this album, I'm like, okay with it. it. But there's parts of other albums where I'm just like, I don't know. There, it's just, mm. I'm, I'm on board. You are? Yeah. Oh, man. I, it's I, unique. I mean, it's, that, it's not, that's what it is. I've yeah. always been character over. I like a little bit of both. Yeah. I sometimes that. I can get too much character. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes he has. But like I said, it works well for this. Yeah. And I like this album a lot. And I really, it it does. I I hadn't listened to this album in a while until we uh, kind of scheduled it for this. Does it hold up? It does. I think it does. I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But I mean, it. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is a good album. I just I Dress to Kill is, so I was looking, I was looking at my iTunes play count. This song has been played. By far the most. I had to wipe mine out of all the songs on the record. Oh no! Um, Yeah, yeah. So like, apparently, I like this song the most on the record by Playcat. I've put it on the most playlists. Um, uh, you know, sometimes there we'll talk about this later because as the album goes on, the lyrics get a little a little reachy. Where I'm like, oh, that's that's the best you guys could do. Yeah. Um, but this song, I think lyrically is really 
it's good, you know, oh. and, and the guitar work is great. It's a good, it's a really good song. That was the other thing I was going to say is like the guitar hook on this song is fantastic. Yep. And these guys have a really good sensibility of not just good melodies with their voice, but melodies on guitar lines. Oh, yeah. And um, they're pretty good about having that kind of instrumental hook, which is not necessarily something that I feel like a lot of bands do. I mean, it's yeah. like a staple in country music, but it's not necessarily a staple in punk rock or pop punk or anything like that. But I feel like they've, they kind of have some sort of guitar hook line in a lot of these songs. And this one has a great one. Uh, Sincerely me. Let's, let's do that. Here I forgot your name again. Just picking up where I left off. Oh yeah. This is the part where you leave me. So sorry. So I've had a hard time, very hard time seeing less of you. I never thought you knew. So can you see? You're seeing less of me, darling. And you're blind to the baseline hook. Dude. Yeah, that baseline. That baseline. It's great. It's all about that bass. It sounds great. <laughs> and it's once again, it's a hook. You can sing that bass part. Like it, honestly, this the the bass part is better than the chorus melody, Dude. honestly. <laughs> so like that's one that was young Kyle was like, I've got to learn that. And, oh, did, and you, I, did you oh, nail it? I did I don't know that I nailed it, but I learned it. <laughs> and I probably played it wrong, but like, man, I had to learn it. It was just awesome. I mean Well, that's another one. I was talking about we were talking about Barker last week. Like if I could be in my living room in my bedroom listening to myself play the drums now, I'd be like, Oh my god, I suck so bad. <laughs> I wonder if that's one of those things where like you probably played it pretty decently. It probably uh, wasn't bad. I mean I I, I don't <laughs> that's know. That's a tough baseline. That's not that's not easy for sure. It's definitely <laughs> you bring up a good point. It's a good mouth baseline. Yeah. I beanie meanie 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 uh anything else on sincerely me or are we going to hit or miss the big the big hit i mean yeah let, we can move on but like such a great baseline yeah no well, I mean, I, I, it's good no i think um so we have talked about how some albums are really cohesive i i don't know that these songs really are that cohesive the first three but mm-hmm. i do think that that like if putting yourselves in, in the mind of, of musicians putting a record together, like, okay, if you know one of these um, people that own this record play this in their car from track one, I want like anyone in that car to be like hooked on it right away. I think they did a really good job of coming out of the gate. For sure. Some like really good tunes. And then uh, you know this song kind of brings it down just a little bit because they're about to hit us with the noise. Yeah, I, th- I think this feels more like, and I, once again, I have no idea what the actual – goings on that happened going into this but like, it feels more like they wrote a bunch of songs they said these are the best 12 and they put them and in they order. put them on a record and they put them in an order <laughs> yeah. that made sense it doesn't feel like they were like we're writing this album and it's this thing and this is the middle of it and whereas you know clarity when we talked about it definitely has an album sure feel to it and i don't think there's a right or wrong way to do that that's just different no different artists do different stuff some people are it's all about the song the song is king we're gonna pick the best 12 songs other people are more like into making records this feels more like a song one. They kind of said these are the best twelve, and I think they did made the right choices. Totally. Uh, hit or miss. Let's do it. Remember the time we wrote our names up on the wall. Remember the time we realized Taylor was our favorite song. 
Hit us with the facts. Well, the first fact that I'm going to hit you with is that originally they recorded Hit or Miss with the late Jerry Finn. No, this is not the version on Nothing Gold Can Stay. This is no. after that. After that. Before this album. MCA is like, hey, we want you to work with Jerry Finn because, of course. Duh. Right, because duh. <laughs> he just did Intimate of the State, and, among other things. And um, the band didn't like the result. And so legend has it that Jerry Finn did not like them. <laughs> yeah, I re- I had read a couple things that said that they had no problem with him. They just didn't. It just didn't have a vibe that they liked. And but he was not digging on them. But you know, I can see that if you if you're not into something, I think it shows. And what's weird about this is that I was like, why would you do that? And then you played that version, it's, which is on what version? It's, on, it, it's included in the 10 year, uh, anniversary edition. Okay. Of we'll this link record. to that on the show notes. It's terrible. It's not as good. No, this is a better That's version and it's not because I'm familiar with it. Like no background no, vocals got, are not very good. It's got no, it's got no soul, man. It's, it's got there. no soul. It's poppy. It's like, it's, it sounds young. Like, okay. So that's, that's one thing I wanted to ask you ask you guys is like Blake you've mentioned that you weren't like just into a ton of punk music Chris I know you listen to a lot of it when you first heard this this record because I think m- sounds like the majority of us heard this record before we heard nothing gold could say true mm-hmm. when you first yeah. heard this record did it sound like like any other band that you'd heard oh god no no I mean it, it, it was definitely punk rock but there was like something about it that was really interesting which and I, I went back and forth trying to decide if I hated it or loved it, <laughs> uh, which I, I don't mean in a negative way. I just right. when, when you hear something that interesting, um, you know, uh, there, there's three qualities that they had that I thought were really that I, I wasn't familiar with at the time. I wasn't really into hardcore music, so those mm-hmm. hardcore riffs yeah. that was kind of interesting. Um, homeboy singing at the top of his range, yeah, 99% of the time. And <laughs> my god, he used every like save some words for the rest of us. I mean, every yeah. song is very you wordy, know? very wordy. <laughs> I'm, I'm too lazy that together, to write that many lyrics. All that together, man, it's it's like newfound glory, it's that's their thing, and it's mm-hmm. very, um, very unique. I mean, it's it's just kind of weird to think because I feel like if you still listen to pop punk music or music that's kind of like inspired by the genre. It's not strange. There a ton of bands that came up are influenced by Newfound Glory. So like sounding like Newfound Glory is not it's interesting though cuz you're right. I don't remember a band that sounded I'm trying to think of anything cuz you're right. I was with you Chris. I was not into hardcore stuff at all. Still I'm not. We're going to probably end up doing some screamo on this emo <laughs> podcast that I'm going to dog on. But uh yeah, I I can't think of anyone that had that crunchy of guitar stuff. Almost every other kind of thing I listened to was like Blingway 2 or there's some other kind of punk influence bands that I can probably think of that I can't think of their names because they were lesser famous and lesser, you know, didn't have 20 year careers like some of these other bands. But I don't know about you guys, but I didn't like because I wasn't into the hardcore stuff and I think I'm I'm definitely more into it than you are like I I enjoy some good hardcore music now but like I do now too yeah because but because I like I didn't know anything about it so I didn't know that that's what that was you know what I mean exactly. like I didn't I couldn't tell you I like them because it was like freaking uh, the Applejacks commercial when we were kids I like them cuz cuz I just do right, you know what I mean like I couldn't about, tell you why that's what what's interesting about music <laughs> is that you know, it 
people are always taking their influences and turning totally. into some new thing. Yeah. But then their audience doesn't maybe know about either one of the influences yep. and potentially gets turned onto that. But whether they do or don't, it's still like a new cool yep. thing. And um, which is why, you know, it drives me crazy when people are like, oh, well, that's just this. And or they're not really hardcore. It's like, well, they're not saying they're hardcore. They're right. saying they're taking something they like and turning it into something else. Um, but it's cool oh. that you can turn that on to other people. Yeah, and another, uh, this is getting, maybe this will sound a little odd, I don't know. Um, they were the first band that I listened to in that time frame that had a lead singer whose job was only lead singing. Yeah, that, was that interesting is to me. true. You're right. Because that, uh, that was not something. That was not a normal bands thing. I listened to were three or four piece bands where the guitar player, bass player was singing. You're right. So I saw him jumping around with the microphone. I was like, what, he just sings? What, what's going on? <laughs> Look at this kid being lazy. This isn't the is, super tones. He can't just sing. That is really uh, a really good point, Chris. I had not thought about that, but you're and I, it's an it's astute observation. Still pretty rare in kind of the punk rock thing, I would say. Yeah, even in pop punk, I can't think of a lot of bands that just have the front. Sa- guy. Sa- Saves the day was another one. Yeah, yeah because the times but, I've but, seen them, he was playing guitar. Right, but there yeah. was exactly. I never got to see when, the frontman version of well, Saves it, the Day when they. Right when they were uh, touring on through being cool and and stay what you are, he was still playing guitar. So for the most part, he would take he would like you know put it behind his back and sing a little bit of both yeah. songs. But Jordan's job was to hit those high notes. That was it. That's it. Well, I mean that's a lot to work on. Yeah, uh, yeah but Jerry Finn version definitely I think is lesser and not because I'm more familiar with this version. I think they went with the right thing and it ends up. Neil Ivron has quite the career, sort of yeah. this third record in, and obviously the first two. I'm not discounting. I'm just saying that this ended up putting him in, like I said, doing all of Yellow Card records right. and doing a Weezer. I mean, there's some a uh, little bit more. Obviously, Everclear was a little more in the grunge era still. I would Do you say, think you right? could say that this was mutually beneficial? I think that we could say that. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. everyone yeah. wins. Yeah, or won. Win, yeah. win, and, and, uh, win. And this video made it to like TRL and stuff. Like this, these guys yeah. blew up big time because of this song, right? Yeah, yeah. This one. I mean, they blew up. They blew up five hundred thousand records. Yeah, not as big as the next. Right, but one, but it was but the, it was this re- right, but this release of this song was this the first time they had like mainstream success, like on MTV and which is like okay, the right, third right. time they release it. Right, this song is on nothing good can stay, and then some right. soundtrack or something. So this this version of the song was released in uh, November of two thousand. So okay. Wait, no, single. that's not right. No, no, no. June before. of 2000. June of 2004. Yeah, okay. sorry. Cool, let's go to second to last. I definitely hear the hardcore influence there now, right. but I didn't, didn't at the time. Nope. But the gang vocals, and they're not quite doing the hardcore screaming thing, yeah. but they are. You know, it's it's interesting to look back now. You know, like I said, this is really early into. I'm 16 years old when this album comes out. I think so. You know, it's not like I'm I'm still green in in learning music and genres and stuff like that and getting figuring out what I'm into. So, but now I see the influence all over this song. For sure. I mean, the gang vocals, yeah. love it. Like that's that's 
defining newfound glory like that or that's that's them and then um the breakdowns like every song almost has this yeah right. and and can, they did it can we take this moment to talk about how almost none of their titles are said more than like once in the song and so i can't ever I can never tell you what the title of their songs are. That no, I was thinking about I was thinking about that. That was another thing. Okay, so you got you got lead you got lead singer by himself, and then that was another thing. When I was listening to him, I was like, this song's called Hit or Miss, but I don't think they ever say hit or miss. Like I was so confused. I'd never it bothered me. And they say second to last, like in the last part of the outro of this song or whatever which i mean it's fine i'm it, it's just interesting that i can never <laughs> think of what the names of these songs are i would probably just sing you a guitar line or a bass line or a melody same to help you figure out yeah. which one we're talking about Shall i like do? it yeah no i'm fine with that yeah um it's it's yeah it's better than the fallout boy version where it doesn't have anything to do with the song and it's oh. 17 words long yep oh that's just irritating but it was the Come start on, of that it was kind of the start of that probably all right, uh, yeah. let's go to Eyesore. Uh, this is kind of the about as ballady as it gets for them on this record, right? Yeah. Uh, would you yeah. agree, Kyle? It's yeah, about I think so. As, as yeah. far as it's, it's the feel- slowest start, it's the slowest drum beat. Shaka daka da. It's still kind of weird, like the the way the song goes from the intro to the kind of verse to the chorus. If I played you and you'd never heard the intro yeah. and the chorus, you would not think they were the same song. Yep. There's some kind right. of weird things that happen. Uh, but it works. I actually really like this song. It's probably one of my favorites on the record, and I can't point to why, but I just... I, uh, maybe it's because it stands out a little bit. It It is a little different. Yeah, it's it does. It's a little slower. Um, and it's it's literally maybe the only slow spot. Yeah. By slow spot, I mean, like, we're, we're still at a pretty decent BPM yeah. here. <laughs> this is not exactly Rel- valid. Relative but, to, uh, to their speed, yes. But relative to the rest of the speed and the, the double beat kicking off the record, it's definitely slower. But I really like it. It's good uh, and a good combination of good melodies and the gang vocals, man. They really do. That is that is a signature move of theirs. And it probably was one of the earlier kind of gang vocal things. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that I'm, I heard. I'm trying to think. I can't think of something that came before it with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, they probably did do it first, but they were no, probably no, no. The they're first not saying they're pioneers, but yeah. they were probably the first one I heard. I think a lot of uh, hardcore bands kind of did that kind of yelling stuff in the background, but some hate breed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> hate breed. I haven't even thought about them in a while. Oh gosh, let's go to <laughs> Vegas. Kyle, you're grinning. You go first. I mean, it's an awesome song, but I'm laughing at how freaking fast it is and how fast the halftime is. Like, yeah, the halftime <laughs> is basically halftime, normal. and it's so fast. Can we uh, can we just say a moment of silence for uh, 
soprano snares. I feel like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that oh, thing, yeah. No one plays those things anymore, but man, that thing is cranked. It's probably like eight inches wide. I don't know how you yeah. even play one of those things. Those were all the rage back then. Uh, now I feel like your hand would just bounce off into <laughs> outer space <laughs> when you try to hit it. Gang uh, all. We'll but the drums <laughs> drums are great here. That like cymbal thing oh, yeah. into the halftime is great. Uh, it's uh, a and, and again, I have no idea. Is the word Vegas in this song at all? I've not paid not. enough attention to the lyrics. Probably. So I, I should have mentioned this earlier because I was gonna say you were talking about their lyrics, like being young. They were all like I think still in high school, or they graduated early from high school. When I this didn't realize came how out. young they were when I, this album I, came out. I mean. I think they're our age. Well, uh, yeah, we'll do the math real quick. There's a way to find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like they at this point they uh the main lyricist I believe for the band is a guy named Steve Klein. He's no longer in the band. He's the only original member not in it. But like they're kids and he's writing you know high school lyrics, but to be fair, they're high school. So Jordan's just really singing. He's not right. even writing the lyrics. Yeah. Interesting. And so, um, yeah, it's like do something, man. Right? <laughs> that's what I'm. That's no, that's I'm not. I think that's man. fine. I just didn't know that <laughs> he's only singing. Um, but I think I meant to say this about hit or miss. It is what grabbed me on the whole record. I think one of their absolute best lines is the needle on my record player has been wearing thin. Yeah, this record has been yes. playing since the day you've been with him. I was like, ooh, they're all forty. Basically, so Are they're they just 40? barely older than us. So I mean, but but yeah, that's Chad's, true. Chad's they, about so nothing gold can stay for sure. They were in high school. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, Steve Klein wrote most of their lyrics, or all of them, at this point in time, and um, he's twenty. I mean, I'm not. That's not like yeah. exactly budding with maturity and uh, life experience. If you're writing an album at twenty, so uh, yeah. And fun. he's he's not in the band anymore. Do you guys know what happened? I heard he's a. Is he the creeper? I heard it wasn't good. It wasn't good. He had to do with his his wing wang and people that didn't want to see it. And what what is a wing wang? I'm just kidding. We know what a wing wang is. He's showing it to people on the internet. As you oh, do. the internet. He was wait, chat. Wait, I thought that's what he was chat roulette. The, wait, 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 wait. People show the that on the internet. I've heard. My understanding is the internet was primarily designed to show wing wangs. <laughs> By Al Gore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, sucker. Oh, gosh. What a terrible transition. No. Segway. <laughs> Chris, opinions? Uh, it just doesn't really do anything for me. Album kind of starts to trail off here for me. Just being honest. I am I mean, shocked. This, this song has... <laughs> I am shocked and I'm hurt. <laughs> Don't so, be hurt. It take just, a note. Uh, Sucker does not get a solid tune <laughs> review from Chris. <laughs> not a solid tune. Dude, that breakdown that the we were about to head great. into... The breakdown's great. I also... They 100% steal the clean guitar tone phasey thing from Blink-Way 2 at this point. Oh, yeah. 
which further proves my point that like Jerry Finn and Tom DeLonge created a thing that then yep. people copied uh, verbatim, essentially. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, I would. S- oh, oh, after the bridge, it does totally Blink One Eighty Two out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that part's cool. That part's cool. I take it back. I like this song. Okay, I got it mixed up with another one. Is it a solid? Which tune? I will. Is Chris? Sucker a, a solid? This is a solid tune. tune. I'm sorry, solid I got mixed tune. up with another one, which I will hate on uh, at the appropriate time. <clears throat> I don't love that beat in general. In in this genre of music, the I mean, it's not always my favorite, just because it gets really repetitive sometimes, really fast. Well, you know why? But you know I'm why? Not, it gets... I'm not judging you. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. Kyle was in a band, and he played that very beat <laughs> all the time. Uh, um, I like no, that beat. Here's the thing. I like that playing so, that beat. It's so fun to. That was about to say the same thing. It's so fun to play. Yeah. It's yeah. so fun to play. Yeah. It's probably fun to jump around to too, but it doesn't help me work. No, yeah, you guys can't see headphones. me. You can't see me in the headphones, but I can show you right now because you do ding 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 ding. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I oh, can see sh- Kyle doing it right now, man. <laughs> taking me right back. Chris just did a guitar throw too. Yeah, uh, I was like jumping like five feet in the air, super high. But you, so you like this one, Kyle? Oh yeah, you're into it. But but it's it's the. It's that what I like about it. You know what I mean? Like the, it's a jump up and down song. I love the breakdown. I the but I also like the uh, the guitar parts. Yeah. Uh, black and blue. balls to the wall <laughs> fast <laughs> i was just gonna say dude like i'm exhausted we we talk okay we were talking about uh callback to blink 182 we talked about scott and how like nasty and like not together his drum sounded on dude ranch <laughs> he'd be like a like, beat ahead by the end of it like brutal people don't know how like I mean, this kid's a BA. Like to be playing what he's playing right there, and it to sound as good as it does. So, I'm impressed. Okay, I've not no, seen. There's, there's... I've not seen them live. Sorry. Are they like? They do this live pretty well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I assume they, they would, were just they... here. I know they sound really technical. I know I've never seen. No, they're them live. gonna be here with. They're gonna be here with Simple Plan. You guys should just come down. Oh god, I hate live, Simple Plan. Though. Live cast. We could. <laughs> At a concert, press passes. Cool. The audio would be terrible. Uh, it's us just screaming at each other, like <laughs> screaming God, into they our look phones. So old. Uh, no, uh, no. Um, Stefan from the Descendants told me that, in his opinion, there was only like maybe five people in the United States that were regularly recording musicians that could play that beat like that effectively. It's like the guy from No Effects, Yuri from MXPX, Cyrus from Newfound Glory. I mean, because it's like to get it that perfect to where you, Dude. if you took out all the guitars in the bass and listened to it, it would be perfection. Like yeah. it would sound like every time. The thing is, it's like when the, okay, first of all, the drums are very tactical there. Oh, yeah. All the guitars are doing pretty, it's like if the drums aren't solid there, it is a train wreck. Oh, yeah. And I've seen, Chris and I and Kyle, probably, we've all seen plenty of bands trying to do that. And it's just, We've seen them wreck that train. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. It's like everyone 
if you don't have a solid drummer, the guitarist can't possibly stay with that. Who cares about the bass player, right? Kyle's a bass player. Chris, do you do you? I kind of want to know if you want to take back what you said two songs ago about how the record starts to suck. I didn't say that. <laughs> you, I believe your exact trail, words were this off. thing's about to start said- stanking. <laughs> I will say I like the beat of this, but I don't love. This is not my favorite song on record. I don't love all, it. All, but. Ever, name an album that doesn't start to trail off about song eight or nine. Then you bring it back with the last one. That's this true. Is where right. you, this That's is where true. you sneak in the songs you're not the most proud of. I I will agree with Chris in that Black and Blue and the next song Boy Crazy are are the weakest songs on the record in my opinion. <laughs> so let's go to Boy Crazy. Chris? Uh, I just like when what are you song starts at? off. I just the beginning of the song. They're like at a party. What are the opening lyrics? Hold like, on, girls are so lame. Some girls are crazy. The beautiful ones. Some girls are crazy. Yeah, that's I mean, the opening line. It, yeah, just, I, this <laughs> this song does suffer from I think particularly asinine lyrics. The opening line too. It's the girl. It's a girl, right? Like. Oh my gosh, there's something. Can we talk out. about how, once again, my super pet peeve is people trying to be funny on records with pre roll or whatever? <laughs> the only song I can even. There are two examples I can think of that I'm like, okay, the talking I'll allow. Weezer's sweater song. Yeah. Which is like, for some reason, it's endearing. I don't know why, because well, it's so weird. It takes you to the party. Maybe that's what it is. I don't understand what is even endearing about it. And like, on. Um, on Andre 3000's side of that record, there's a pretty funny bit where, like, he and the girl in bed are like, it's like their inner <laughs> thoughts, and it's great. Um, on the Love Below? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or is he Speaker no, Box? No. No, Speaker Box. Yeah, yeah, Love Below. Love Below, there's a great bit. But for the most part, rap people do this all the time, and it's not funny. You're not comedians. And, and for some reason, punk rock people do it. We're like, let's open this track with some people pretending. Bad actors, bad voice actors, come in here and talk these parts. I do hate the opening of this song. Sorry. Uh, in, all, in all fairness, at least with the you know with Dude Ranch, those guys did that in between several songs. At least these guys just played the card once. Yeah. One yeah. time. Yeah. You know, and it was probably fun. Yeah, I'm sure. Probably I, had a good time. It is definitely the thing that turns me off about it. And then the lyrics, I just feel like are kind of like, Egh. and the chorus isn't great. The pre-chorus no, no, is great. Pre-chorus is great on this song and everything else I don't like about it. You- you oh, don't have to apologize to me, man. That's You're okay. apologizing with your eyes. To I me am right apologizing now. right now with my eyes because I know Kyle. You love this band. I, I like lo- them a lot I too, love but... this band. You know what, guys? I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna ease the tension here. Okay. This song is the most sucky song on the record. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, I'm it, yeah. It's my least favorite. Do we one. have? Is that one of our things? It will be. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about that in a second, which we kind of already did, but we'll, but do, we'll, we'll do come we back do to it. Do we do Mo Sucky? Wait. Well, we do... Uh, we, do uh, we do Desert Island. We do Grower, Not Shower. Uh, nobody's Perfect yeah. is what we call it. What is it? Nobody's Perfect. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nobody's okay. Perfect. Sorry. We'll, get, okay, back. So we'll get back to that. Let's go to All About Her <laughs> wait, then. Oh, wait. Wait, or Chris. wait, wait, wait. I want to say something. I want to say something. Okay. okay, so Kyle made this point before this record. I just want for for everybody just to know that we were going to do Clarity, and then we were going to do Newfound Glory, and then we are going to do Enema of the State. 
um, and we decided to reverse the order. So I think this record suffers from the unfortunate placement of third uh, behind two records uh, that are track for track, minute for minute, yeah, they're spectacular not... specimens. Now, these guys are coming out of the gate. They're in high school. They can't even drink yet, right. you know, and they're doing, yeah. they're doing their they're best. They're doing their I'm best. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying that, that all I'm saying is like. They're creating a new uh, subgenre of pop punk. Uh, yeah, I think. Oh, know, I'm not the, discounting the, the band of, at all. No, 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 but yeah. I'm just saying, like, like if we do, like, an MXPX record in a few weeks, I mean, there's going to be some stinkers in the middle yeah. of ever-passing moment, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, look. Every, Sorry, Mike Carrera. <laughs> most records, if you're lucky, only have two meh songs on it. Yeah. That's a good record, in my opinion. If you yeah. only have two meh songs, there are not that many records that have song for song, every song's great. It's just, it's hard to do. It's not easy. And a lot of people, I think, really like these two songs, so I might be wrong. But no, no, that's... that's the No meh. one likes this song, Blake. Yeah. No one likes it. Okay, well, <laughs> never mind. We're, we're, then we're, we're off of it. We're going to All About Her then. Purposely picked the verse of that instead of the chorus because I love the verses on this song. That yeah. bass line and that guitar line are awesome together. You cannot I, stop smiling when you're listening no. to that bass line of that guitar. It's like I want to get on a jet so ski and just have a good time. Redemption, guys. Yeah, it's that's, a great song. That's what I was saying. I'm surprised this song's not earlier on the record. Also, I'm gonna say something. Maybe you guys will think I'm crazy. I like. Where he's singing at on this song is perfect for his voice. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. not he's not quite not pushing it yeah. as hard. I think that's, yep. Pr- yep. that's a good point. And I'm, I'm sure his older self thanks him. He's probably relieved oh, when he gets to do this. Oh, my gosh. So he's still hitting these notes? So, yes. and and it's not in easy. Fear, in fear of, like, because obviously the hope is that we keep doing this and then we get to talk to some of these bands that <laughs> right, we love. Yeah. So, like... I will say that maybe, like, I questioned when I just saw them if, like, he had an effect on his voice to help him go super nasally, super high. Well, I mean, auto-tune racks are a real thing, and they're even easier to use now than they were 20 years ago. But they were great. He did a great job. He's a great guy. And I hope that we get to talk to him someday. Look, I'm just saying, like, you... Almost no one can sing th- like that. We talked about Elton John on the last episode. Yeah, it's just like right. your voice changes He's, from he, when you're 20 to when you're 40 yeah. to when you're 50 to when you're 60. It's just going to change. Just uh, And you sometimes going to paint yourself into a corner of having to hit some of those notes that yeah. you might not be able to. And uh, so good for him if he's still doing it. Hey, so before we listen to the last song, yeah. I'm going to give a couple... A couple fun facts about the record. Okay. Because I feel like it would be weird to give them before we get into our best of, worst of segments. Fun facts. So um, Mark Hoppus cites this as being one of those records that never found its way out of my CD player. 
What is a CD nice. player? I'm kidding. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty high praise. That is pretty high praise. And yeah, yeah. and um, I don't know. I think this is my only deep dive. It's probably on Wikipedia now, but I felt like it was a deep dive when I found it. Right. Um, legend has it that when Jared Logan asked Fall Out Boy how they wanted their debut album to sound, Pete Wentz handed him a copy of this record. I heard. I read that too. Did I, you read it on Wikipedia or did um, I deep dive no, for it? No, I think I went. I, I think I linked through somewhere else, but I did find an article where it mentioned okay. it. It was a, it was a, it was like a retrospect on the album, some like spin or some magazine. Probably one Dude, spin. that doesn't surprise me at all. There's some similarities. Yeah. Like, a lot of similarities. Once, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 that makes all the sense in the world to me. Isn't it weird yeah. that in my mind, Fallout Boy is older than Newfound Glory? You know, I, know, I think of them as like a, yeah. I know that they're not. I'm just saying like, I don't know. Like, I think Newfound Glory in my mind is like eternally young. Right. So, anyway. But wait, but wait, wait. That does bring up a point, though. A good point. Like, are they younger or about the same age? They're probably about the same age because yeah. I bet that Fall Out Boy was older when they released uh, their first record right. than they were when they yeah. released their first record. I, I so, agree with that. They were. Yeah, Glory was yeah, around Wentz is, earlier. That holds Pete. Pete Wentz. Wentz is forty. Yeah, so they're the same, same age. age, but I guarantee they were massively influenced. Yeah. by Newfound Glory. Yep, Patrick Stump's about thirty-five. Yeah, so same age. Patrick but, Stump's thirty-five. But, wow. Yeah, he's he was the youngest. The youngest. Whoa. One the wow. That's, All right. I would not have known that. Uh, ballad for the Lost Romantics. Here we go. of us have not ripped off that guitar um kind of chord progression there i love it on the choruses there it's kind oh, yeah. of power of love ish you know at the end there is very blink 182 also mm-hmm. you know what i mean oh yeah i mean I, I there's no way you weren't making an album in 2000 that wasn't influenced by enema of the state that came out one year before yep especially right. after they tried to get you to make your album with jerry finn yeah well i mean yeah even yeah. more obviously that was what was selling and uh well they did some stuff together too right they played some shows together oh surely did they yeah 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 i mean they were joined at the not joined at the hip but i mean yeah they'd be playing the same festivals and stuff and yeah uh, dude this uh last song it goes out with a bang I it's like a good song to end the, uh, i agree yeah, i love i love when end. you end it end it like that it's uh Good tune. Solid. Weird, tune. weird fact. I was uh, digging back into my iTunes library to uh, prep for this, and this song was not in, it's not on my iTunes library. I don't know if so it didn't it get imported. New or to you? No, no, no. I remembered it. I remember being like, this song doesn't end on, or this album doesn't end on All About Her. Like, what a weird, but it took me a second because I was like, that's weird. There's something not right about that. And sure enough, I go to Spotify and I'm like, oh, yeah, there is another song on this album. So um, I don't know what happened. Maybe. No, when I was spinning this, it was CDs. There was no iTunes in 2000 for me or anyone. So I think it rocks. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the general just albums, yeah. sort of importance and influence and whatnot, Kyle. I mean, it was it was huge for me. Like, it, 
it not not only did I love it, but like it was one of those records for me that was gateway. Like I when I as I get, as I got older, as I listened to more music, I was able to put my finger on what it was that I liked about them. It was those hardcore riffs. I was able to then go go look for bands that that influenced them, and so they they were a gateway band for me in in an awesome way. And um and it just didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard. Like the combination of the hardcore riffs, the chunky guitars, and um and the super high nasally voice. I'm I was in. Chris, what do you think uh, albums' importance and influence on you and or others? It didn't have that, like like I said, it didn't have that big of an influence on me because I, I don't think I really got into it until a little bit after it was released. But um, a lot of my friends who were just a little bit younger than me, two or three years younger than me, they loved this band. And I think through them I kind of realized what um, what I was missing. You know, Sometimes it takes somebody else appreciating something in front of you or with you for you to really yeah. recognize how great it is. Uh, a great example of this is the first time I saw the movie Office Space. I didn't get it. And then I watched it with somebody who thought it was the best movie in the world. And I loved that movie ever since. So like when my buddy Steve-O would play this record and really liked it, I, I was like, I was like, oh, I get it. This is this really cool. And, you know, like Kyle was saying earlier, um, you know, the hardcore influence when, when you can't quite put your finger on it, you just know it's something interesting. Um, it, it's one thing and it makes you go, that's cool. But then when you figure out like, oh, they listen to all these like tough bands and then they put this poppy spin on it. I was like, that's really cool. Like it, 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 I got more into these guys. Uh, now I would consider myself a huge fan. I mean, I listen to their records when they come out. Like I'm a big fan. Yeah. I mean, this was, as I mentioned before, I mean, this and Intimate of the State are my first probably there, there might be a couple other ones, but they weren't as influential as these two, as far as, you know, getting spun all the time in the car. I'm just learning to, I get my license the year before this comes out. So, I mean, that's really like prime time to be listening to tunes is driving around when you're 16. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was a pretty big influence on what then, you know, we were all, you know, for the record, if you haven't figured this out, we were all in kind of pop punk bands, basically me and Kyle and Chris. Uh, separately, Chris and I together, but Kyle and a separate one. But although Kyle and I have played together too uh, in yeah. latter years of that. So, and then later we were all in one together. True. Yes. Short lived. A short lived thing that we never got off the ground. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, clearly this album influenced that big time. I wouldn't have been on that path without this and Intimate of the State, honestly. Um, and I think it clearly, like the Fallout Boy thing, after I read that, I was like, oh, like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world now that. Uh, and it wasn't really something I'd put together in like 2005. No, I didn't put. Yeah, yeah, I didn't put it together until you just said it just now. <laughs> uh, so I do think that this band sneakily influenced a lot of bands that came after it. Um, I think, especially like the producing thing, like the Neil Avron thing, is interesting because he produces so many kind of pop bunk bands in the 2000s that you know, I don't know, maybe we just don't get that polished sound which some people sure. don't like. I love it because I like Me good too. production and I like rock and roll and I like punk stuff, but I hate bad production. So, um, you know, Neil Avram brings it with this album and, uh, and, and continues to. Um, let's go to, is this their best album? And I'm going to defer to Kyle because you're the biggest New Found Glory fan in the room. I mean, it's not. It's, it's not. not their best record. It, I think maybe it's like. What do you most, think is it, their best? 
I actually think their best is their least newfound glory record. It's coming home. Okay. Have you listened to it? I don't think I have. I need Dude. to. Dude. I will. Is that the one with the suitcase? Yes. Okay, I need to listen to it. Oh though. yeah, that's a freaking great record. Dude. And it didn't it didn't sell that well, right? No, I mean I don't hit. think it was I don't think it was that big. I think it was their last major label uh release. And it was uh and actually you have to listen to it, Blake, because it's like uh the, the producer was a Tom Petty collaborator. Ooh, well, I'm in. Yeah. Okay. So uh I think I from the ones I've listened to, like I've not exhausted the catalog of Newfound Glory, but the ones I I agree with you. I don't think it's their best one as far as like writing and um just songsmanship and stuff like that. But I think it's certainly their most influential. Yeah. As far as the bands that came after it. I think that this was the I was gonna say catalyst. That's technically what it is, although that's a different Newfound Glory record, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um it kicked things off. Chris, what do you uh what do you think of the albums you've uh, familiar with what is it their best yeah it's hard to say I mean there's something really special that's always captured in bands younger years that like that angst and energy that's definitely caught on this record and caught really really well because if you listen to Nothing Gold Can Stay and they listen to this record like you know they're this band could have very easily gone down a, uh, the wrong path, which is if, if they didn't take the time to make the record right and it was sloppy and didn't sound great, I think their career takes a whole other trajectory. So the fact that they took their time to, you know, they worked with Jerry and they were like, it's not our thing, even though freaking Blink-182 just worked with them. I mean, yeah. who has the balls to turn down Jerry Finn? Like, they should right. be, well, you know, I... the punk rock gods should have assassinated them. And yet, you know, so I think in many... In many respects, I, I think that you could consider this their best record for that reason, but I'm with Kyle that it's not, you know, musically, lyrically, um, you know, they, they did a lot of really special things after this record. Although lyrically, even though I've been dogging a little bit on some of the immaturity, not immaturity, it's not the right thing, it's just not, they're not great lyrics necessarily, yeah. but I do think they are trending towards, you know, if you take... Um, let's just take Blink-22 and I'm in the state because it comes out the year before this and then you take this record. This is definitely more hard on the sleeve kind of oh, yeah. lyrically, which I think it's obviously lends itself to the kind of emo thing that happens after yeah. that as far as people kind of going all out with that. This is basically, you could take these lyrics and put them on a lot of the stuff that comes after it without the fast punk beats yeah. and the crunchy guitars and it would be you'd call them emo lyrics, but like, yeah. whereas Blink-22 Enemy of the State is not really, I mean, it has, it has a couple of more, but it's not like emotional. Like no one would call that record, you know, hard on your sleeve or emotional. It's mostly like eh, girls, you know, yeah. or whatever. Um, so I do think this is where this does start lending some credit to like, Hey, you can be, um, you can talk about your feelings and be in a rock band. Is that fair? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I think dynamically, though, the album kind of lacks. That's where, if it lacks in a spot, it's yeah. like, it's just kind of all kind of going 100 miles an hour. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, like I said, it's probably, that's the thing that comes with age and playing together for a longer time. And they're a young band. I'm not going to fault them for it. But it that's probably the thing that ages the worst about it. Yeah. I don't know if we can add this in the show notes, but there are two really awesome 
like uh, B-sides that they did for this record. Okay. One's a Christmas song called X-Miss. It's an excellent Christmas song. I will add oh, the show one notes. of my favorite, it, favorite I've never Christmas heard that. songs. It is awesome. Okay, I'm going to put that um, on the show notes. And then, and then another one called uh, So Many Ways to Say Goodbye, I believe. Great song. So Those will be out. in the show notes, and you can check Xmas, them out. Okay, sorry, I just have to say, Xmas was like probably one of my first... Like that got me into like punk rock Christmas songs because oh, dude. ding dong ding dong yeah oh man caveat I mean, I'll put it in the show notes but you can't actually listen to Xmas until the day after Thanksgiving twenty twenty oh, yes. because you're just, sorry no Christmas music <laughs> in be ridiculous. February please that's ridiculous and not allowed right. um, awards Desert Island songs what are the two or three songs on this record that if you had to take on your, we'll just keep with the iPod theme, on your iPod on a desert island, mm. um, what were you? What are you going to choose here? Uh, Chris, let's go with you so that you don't steal Kyle's. Okay, well, um, I Better Off Dead is, I just think it's a great song and uh, one of the better lead-off songs of any album from this era because it just uh, gets right to it and it's got a, you know, lyrically it's pretty strong and I really like the melody. And then, I mean, I hope I don't steal Kyle's here, but all about her is that baseline man. I, I dream of it at night. I know. I want my casket to be lowered into the ground with that baseline <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Just like, oh, we miss him. He was a good guy. Remember but that time I feel he gave good me a high right five? now. <laughs> Chris, you know I'll do it. <laughs> okay. You know I'll do I'll put it. it. Write it down I'll somewhere or I'll forget, though. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think I'll those put are it in my will. Good choices. Uh I, I'm going to say Dress to Kill, Hit or Miss, and All About Her. I just, you, Hit or Miss is clearly a good song. It's why they have it on two records. You don't do that by accident. Um, and yeah, they've just, that bass line is fantastic, which I bet Kyle, we stole all yours. Sorry. No, I, you, I'm going to combine yours with one of mine. Okay. I'm going to go Better Off Dead, Sincerely Me, and All About Her. Okay. But again, we clearly Baselines. like the front of this record more yeah. than the back of it. And and then we like all about her. Which is fair, yeah. Which, like I said, feels like it should be better. Oh, yeah. But maybe that's why they didn't put it front on yeah. the album. Because it's Guys, we gotta put something heavy. <laughs> gotta put this gotta on have the back. On the uh, what is the um, sleeper hit on this? Like, is there a song that maybe you didn't like at first, but you like a lot more now? Um, I believe that's Eyesore for me. Yep. That's the one that we agreed was kind of the ballad, right? Yep, same. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah, yeah. So. that it's like that and Ballad for the Lost Romantics. At oh, the yeah. time, that didn't feel like a good ending track to me, and yep. now I appreciate Not even now. I mean, pretty soon into spinning the record, I liked it a lot more than originally, but I would say Eyesore was the one that... And I think it's because the intro to it, it doesn't really portray the rest no, of the song. It, yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. So, but, I mean, I do remember probably skipping that song sometimes, so I think that we're all in the same boat there. Uh, how about Nobody's Perfect? What is the worst song in this album? I I mean, we've already addressed it. I'll let one of you say it. Vegas? No. 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 What, which one is it? It's Boy Crazy, it's man. Boy oh, it's Boy Crazy. crazy. Okay, so... okay, okay. Why did I think it was it's Vegas? Sandwich. It's Boy Crazy, I don't love Crazy sandwich. Boy. Yeah, it's probably Boy Crazy. <laughs> Vegas is probably up there with me, though, too. I don't love Vegas either. Okay. Anyway. Um, Crab sandwich. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I realized I called it by the wrong thing earlier. Chris, 
the newfound glory is going to refuse to come on this podcast because of your crap sandwich comment. You didn't have to say that. By the way, the other it's not sleeper hit. We call it grower, not a shower. Yeah. <laughs> just, That's right. I'm sorry. Call I'm, it what it is. We're amateurs at this. This is only our third episode. Please forgive do you us add, not knowing the names do you of our ask own again? segments. No, let's just keep it real. Okay. I can't even remember what we said at this point. Um yeah, I mean that kind of wraps it up. Any closing thoughts on this record, fellas? I actually would like to say to even though I said crap sandwich as many times as I could muster, that in in some ways these uh, young now old men are my, my brethren, because both my band name and their band name were taken from Get Up Kids songs. Oh, I didn't know that their name was taken from a Get Up Kids song. Yeah, uh, I, I believe that there. I read a few articles that said um, uh, that they were listening to Get Up Kids and a newfound love in Massachusetts, and that's kind of they spun off that. Okay. Didn't know that, but I like that fun fact. Yeah. Potentially fun fact. Yeah. Disclaimer. Oh. Wait, are you saying something I read on the internet may not be real? Might not be. <laughs> Could be. Well, I guess that does it for this episode of <laughs> the Finding Emo podcast. If you have opinions that are different than ours, even if they're wrong, you can email us at info at findingemopod.com or you can tweet us at findingemopod.com. And uh, we will catch you next time. Bye.